If you have your Bibles, would you please take them out? And we're going to go to the book of Matthew, and we're going to go to chapter 5 this time. We've been in Matthew chapter 6 for a few weeks, and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to go down to verse 21. We've been in a series called The Best Life Ever. And God's really been speaking some powerful things to us. I know it's been impacting my life as I've been praying. Uh, just, God, I want to make sure I give you my best every day. And I want what you have that it's best for me every day. And so we just want to make sure that we focus on those things. And we talk, we've been talking about areas of our life to how we can have the best ever in that area. And today was no different. We're going to go into what God has for us today. Matthew 5, starting in verse 21. You've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and, there, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer back your gift. And this morning, I want to talk to you about how we need to have the best temper ever. We need to have the best temper ever. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word challenges us to go above and beyond what we think we can do in our flesh. Because, Lord, you said we can do all things through you who gives us strength. So, Lord, right now, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Holy Spirit, would you speak this morning? And Lord Jesus, would you show us what it means to temper our hearts and temper our words and temper our thoughts and temper what we do so we can be pleasing to you, God, and, and, sh and show forth the love and grace of Jesus to this world around us. And I ask all these things in your holy and precious name. And if you want that too, what do you say? Amen. The best temper ever. How many of you have ever seen the movie Inside Out? Not many? I've only seen bits and pieces of it. Of course, Miss Amber, you've seen it. If you've got kids, you've seen this movie. Um, there's a character on Inside Out which talks about just having the different emotions that a person has and how any of those emotions can rise up at any point in our lives. And one of the characters in that, in that movie is the anger character. You may have seen the, the emoji or the gif uh, going around on social media. The anger character looks like this. And can I tell you, when I saw this character, I'm like, I could put so many people's faces on this. That Because here, here's something that I really began thinking about this. How many of you, don't raise your hand, and if you are that person, definitely don't raise your hand. But how many of you can think of somebody in your life that one of the first ways you would describe them is they are angry? Can I tell you right here and now, that is not the reputation I want to have among people. I do not want to be characterized as David is an angry person. But there are people in our lives that when we think about them, one of the, some of the memories we immediately think about is times when we saw them get angry. Some of you may even remember times growing up when you characterized one of your parents or even both of your parents as they were always angry. They were always fighting. They were always arguing. There was never peace. All I remember growing up was anger. Some of you may have people in your life that were friends or siblings or even relationships you've had. And the number one thing you kept remembering is, I don't know why, but they just always seemed angry. And can I tell you right here and right now that that is not God's heart and that is not a reflection of Jesus. 
We need to have the best temper ever. We need to be able to temper what God is doing in our lives and make sure that when we show forth in life, we show forth who Jesus is. Now, let me first really show you right now. There is a verse in the scripture that says, be angry, but don't sin. There are many times in the Bible where the Bible clearly tells us that God himself got angry. There are many times in the Bible where Jesus got angry. There were times in the Bible when the disciples and the great men and women of God throughout the scripture, when they got angry. Anger is not a sin. What your anger leads you to is where the sin starts happening. Do you understand? Anger in and of itself is not wrong. There will be times in this life you will become angry. But the the key is to do what the book of James tells us to do, that all of you be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. In other words, anger might happen in my life, but it's not the first thing that happens. Immediately, it takes a lot to get me angry. It takes a lot to get me frustrated. It takes a lot to get me to lose my temper. I'm not an easily angered person. That's the heart of God. So this morning, I want to talk to you because many in this room, many of you watching online, you might immediately be thinking, that's me. Why, am I, why do I easily get angry? Why do I have, short, why do I have such a short fuse? Why does it like people are always on my nerves? What, what do I need to change in my heart or change in my life to make sure I don't get easily angry? Can I tell you, can your pastor get um, kind of transparent before you this morning? This is an area of my life God is delivering me from. Because I am a very type A, somewhat OCD person. And if people don't do things the way I think they should do them, it makes me angry. And if people don't respond in the way I want them to respond, it sometimes makes me angry. Or if I don't get things done in the timeline I want to get things done, I get frustrated with myself and I get angry. When I listen back to my messages or listen back to times I've led worship or songs I've written or, or articles I've written, podcasts I've done, and I listen to myself and I'm like, man, what'd you do that for? Man, why'd you say that? And I become my own worst critic and it gets me angry. Is it okay if your pastor's real with you today? And, I've, and, I'm, and I'm learning in this process of giving God and becoming my best and asking God to give me the best. I'm learning quickly that is not a good representation of Jesus to this world. Jesus showed times when he was angry, but Jesus never led with anger, ever. And not only that, those who belong to Jesus and decide and want to be like Jesus, if we walk through this life in the same way, our first reaction to things that don't go our way, our first reaction to sin, our first reaction to sinners, our first reaction to our brothers and our sisters in Christ, first reaction to God himself, no matter what the situation may be, the first reaction in those circumstances cannot be getting angry. Are you with me this morning? I know this is a random thing, but I'm telling you, we're staying in these areas because God has spoken to us that he wants us to be our best because he wants this church to grow and he wants us to grow as individuals and grow as a body. And we can't do that if we don't challenge each other and sharpen each other to be more like Jesus. Amen. And I want to be like Jesus. When people come into this place, I want the first thing they see is the face of Jesus. When they hear me speak, when they hear us speak, or hear us doing worship or whatever we're doing, I want the first thing they hear, that's the voice of Jesus. 
when they feel the Holy Spirit's presence in this room like we've been feeling all morning, I want them to know this is not a chemical reaction and this is not goosebumps and this is not something I manufactured in my emotions. There's something real in here and I need it every day of my life. I want them to feel the presence of Jesus. And and one of the ways we can easily scare the Holy Spirit off and that's why he's represented as a dove in the scripture. Doves are very skittish. A dove won't land on anything that moves. A dove only lands on things that are stable. And it's easy to spook them. I don't want my personality to be something that easily spooks those people away. I want to be something that attracts people. I want to be something that attracts the Holy Spirit in my life. So the first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is if we want to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, and watch and temper our anger and have the best temper ever, the first area we need to temper is we got to temper our thoughts. On the back of your bulletin, if you want to take notes, there's a place for you to do so there. But we got to temper our thoughts. Because anger starts here. It doesn't start here. It starts here. The mind is your battlefield. The enemy cannot read your thoughts. He can only speak to them. And so if the enemy speaks things to you and you entertain those things in your mind, you're giving the enemy ground to create anger. Righteous anger that comes from God will start in your spirit. But it is not very often that happens. And if it does happen, God will give you the tools and the grace to use it correctly. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about times we get angry that are in the flesh. When our flesh is trying to trump and overrule what our spirit is doing. Let's go back to Matthew and go to chapter 5 and verse 21. You have heard it said. So Jesus said this what the Pharisees have taught you. The law of Moses has taught you. You have heard it said, you shall not murder. Commandment number 6 in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder. You've heard it said, you shall not murder. And whoever murders, they will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother... Now you're liable to judgment. So Jesus said, if you kill someone, you're liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you even let your anger get to that place, you're liable to judgment before God. Because a man, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you entertain thoughts of doing harm to someone, if you entertain thoughts of, giving, of just giving someone a piece of your mind, if you entertain thoughts about losing your temper, then guess what? You've already done it in the eyes of God. You've already crossed the line with him. Because God, when he thinks about us, how many of you know when he sees us sin or, or, or mess up or fall back, in that moment, he has every right to think about how he can judge us. And he would be right in doing so. But God's heart is not quick to anger. God's heart is quick to mercy. And aren't you thankful this morning? God's heart is quick to forgiveness. Mercy and grace is his strong hand. Judgment is his weak hand. There's a reason in the Old Testament. This is not in my notes, but I just want to share this with you. There's a reason in the Old Testament that the box containing the, the manna, the, the Ark of the, Co- uh, the, the, Go- the Ten Commandments, and Aaron's rod in the Ark of the Covenant, the box part of it, that's called the judgment seat. The lid that covered all of that is the mercy seat. There's a reason in God's eyes, mercy trumps judgment. Because God is quick to mercy. God is not quick to anger. In the same way we should be. 
When you hear this, when you see this, and I say to you that everyone who is angry, that word anger is the word E-I-K-E, ekai, which means without just cause, without any good effect, and without moderation. Without a just cause. So if someone does something accidentally, if your kids maybe do something that they can't help doing, may, uh, there's been times my boy Nate wants to get more milk. Jessica's upstairs laughing because she knows where I'm going with this. He'll open the fridge and grab the huge big gallon and try to pour himself milk. And how many of you know the, the, that thing is like what David said, my cup overflows. but he's a child. He's doing what he thinks he can do. So for me to all of a sudden jump up out of my chair and lose my temper on him, that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's a kid trying to get more milk. This is not an occasion to become angry. Also, if someone has forgetfulness or a mistake is made that we ourselves could have easily done. How many of you have ever gotten angry at your children because they didn't clean their room? Anybody? Nobody else in here but me? And then you turn around and go to your room, and it's a mess. (laughs) I rest my case. There's times when we need to show discipline and show sternness, but we don't need to let it evolve to anger. Because in some areas, by getting angry at someone for doing something, then God looks at us and goes, you've done the same thing. You're a hypocrite. I'm going to judge you now for the same measure you're judging them. If you're judging them in anger and they've done something that you've done, then I should judge you in anger too. And how many know when when it comes to my life and God, I want God to look upon me with mercy. We talked about this last week that we are family, which means we lead first with forgiveness. And if God wants to, if we want to live a life of forgiveness and we want God to be forgiving to us, then our first instinct to others needs to be mercy and forgiveness. So if I walk into my son's room and there's toys everywhere, in that moment, I can look at him and go, hey, let's clean your room. Now, if if we, if we start cleaning his room and then I say, okay, now you finish, and I come back in an hour and it's still not done, now we're moving into disobedience. And now maybe correction needs to be had. But that initial, why is your room not clean? What's wrong with you? Do you live in a barn? What have I just done? I've, 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 I've breathed anger on them. And now the tone of my voice does not sound like the tone of his voice. And my job as a father is to reflect Heavenly Father to my children. I want them to look at me and think, however daddy is with me, that's the way Jesus is with me. However mother is with me, that's the way God is with me. They are reflections of Jesus to me. So if I show forth something that is not like Christ, what am I doing? I'm causing them to stumble. So we must make sure that we don't come across as angry in the wrong times. Also, without good effect, flaunting authority. Mommy and daddy, why do you want me to do that? Because I just want you to do it. Because I'm your dad. Do what I say. Some of you are having flashbacks right now. That was not correct. That's leading with anger. That's flaunting your position and authority with anger. You know what that does? That says, I'm insecure and I need you to respect me. 
When you know who you are and you know who Jesus has created you to be, you don't need to get angry when you lead because you'll have a confidence in who you are and have a confidence in who he is. And you don't need to flaunt your authority. It'll be there because God will be with you and God will speak through you. So we don't beat people up with our position or beat people up out of anger. Also, we don't show our resentments in our anger. Maybe there's somebody in your life that just constantly annoys you. And the first thing you want to do when you see them is you get angry. And Jesus is saying here, do not do this because it's going to create a bad effect in the relationship. And it's going to create a bad effect between you and them. And it's going to create a bad effect between you, them, and everybody else that's watching this happen. You're creating bad effects. It's not the heart of God. And then finally, like I said, without moderation, which is seeking, which is when your anger moves into a place where you truly want to see that person get hurt. You truly want to see them get their comeuppance. Whether you do it or somebody else does it, you are praying for God to smite them. You are praying for God to harm them. You are praying for them to get fired or for them to get sick. Or I hope they slip when they walk out to their car today. Because you're just angry. And Jesus is saying, if you have this in your heart, then God is not pleased with you. And if you have this in your heart, then God will have that same attitude towards you. For whatever measure you judge, it's going to be judged to you. So this is where Jesus says, "If, if you don't have compassion and mercy on them, why should I have compassion and mercy on you? Kind of deep this morning, isn't it? But can I tell you, this is where a lot of church people live. We have a very bitter society right now. We have a very angry society right now. You can't turn on the news without just hearing it. People are angry. People are bitter. And we shouldn't be surprised because Jesus told us this would happen. That in the last days, the love of men will wax cold. What does that mean? People won't care about each other. They won't care anymore. And then he said, many will be offended. Which means we won't lead with mercy and forgiveness as they probably didn't mean that. Or maybe they're having a bad day. Or God, whatever's going on in their life, I just pray for them right now. No, we will take that in. Hear the voice of the enemy, which means they did it maliciously. They did it intentionally. They, they truly don't care about you. Whatever the enemy whispers, we will take it. Let it fester and harbor in here. We will take on an offense and we will become bitter. Many will be offended. But how many know in the last days as Jesus prepares to come back, when he comes to find me, I don't want him to find me bitter and unforgiving. I want him to find me pure, holy, without spot or wrinkle, forgiving and merciful to my fellow man. Amen? Amen. So we got to temper our thoughts. We cannot give the enemy room to do these things in our minds because he will play and he will play and he will play. And if your mind becomes his playground, I promise you he won't leave. He don't have a scheduled time of recess. He moves there. He moves there. It's 24-7 school to him now. He'll never leave that playground if he has it. So don't let him in at all. Don't let him in at all. Number two, we got to temper our words. We got to temper our words. Everybody finish this. Sticks and stones. Is that not the biggest crock you've ever heard? <laughs> Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know who wrote that? The devil. Because he's the father of all lies. Words do hurt. 
And they hurt worse than punches sometimes. Because a punch will heal in a few days. A word could last with me forever. Forever. A never, in, a never healing wound. What Jesus means, what I'm talking about here is, we got to temper our words that are targeted. Targeted anger. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 5, and then he goes into verse 22. Whoever's angry with his brother, you're liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother, you will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Some of you may have in your translations, whoever says to his brother, Raka, R-A-C-A. Some of you may have that. The word Raka is translated to mean, you fool. But this isn't correctional or disciplinary. This isn't like all of a sudden, my beautiful daughter Lucy decides that she's going to go and climb, up a tr- and climb up a tree without adult supervision. I would say to her, Lucy, that was a foolish thing to do. You might have gotten hurt and nobody was there to help you. Don't do something you don't feel safe doing without someone there who can help you. That's foolish. Jesus is not saying when you say you fool, he's not saying it like this is a concerned dad or mother being disciplinary to their children. He's saying you are telling this person they have no brain. You are telling this person they are stupid. You're telling this person they are an idiot. You're telling this person any semblance of word you want to put in there. You are calling them something that you have no place to call them because they are human. You are human. Are you hearing me this morning? It's arrogant. It's spiteful. It's criticism. And it's created in unhealthy anger. It's created in unhealthy anger. A lot of parents struggle with this. When our kids do things we don't want them to do, and we get angry and we lose our temper, we start going into names. If I ordered a truckload of stupid and all I got was you, I would have got my money's worth. I've heard it. Will you ever grow up? Are you just going to be a baby the rest of your life? Fill in the blank any phrase you may have heard or any phrase you may have heard someone else say. What are you doing? You're crippling the spirit of that person. You're crippling it. Married couples, there's a difference between arguing and fighting. Arguing is trying to hear each other's position to find the best solution. Fighting is exactly what it sounds like. You're trying to hurt them. Are you hearing me this morning? When you engage in a fight with your spouse, you're not trying to find a solution. You're trying to hurt them. Well, Pastor David, I would never swing at my wife. I would never swing at my husband. Words can be just as painful, if not more. Because the shields are down. The trust level is gone. And now we're at a place of anything they say, I'm going to take it in fully because I'm emotional and I'm vulnerable right now. We cannot allow ourselves to get to this place. Is it okay if your pastor talks about real things today? I don't sugarcoat things for those of you that may be new to this church or watching online. Because Jesus doesn't sugarcoat things with me. He flat out says here, you speak to someone that way, you're in danger of hell. You're in danger of hell. Because no one talks to the, brother, the father that way, and no one talks to the son that way, and no one talks to God's kids that way. We do not talk to each other like, the, like those that do not have grace or do not have compassion. We are better than that. 
We have, the, we have the help of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and we should be speaking the words he tells us to speak and not give in to our flesh. Because the moment we give in to our flesh, we are telling the Holy Spirit living inside of us, you no longer rule. So pack up your stuff and move out. I would rather listen to my flesh today. We cannot do that. It's speaking without grace. It's speaking in venomous bitterness. And Jesus is saying here, That these poisonous words that we speak in anger that come off without control, they are damaging and they are worthy of God's judgment. That's why the psalmist said, what you heard me pray earlier, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Brothers and sisters, Refuge West family, those watching online, quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to become angry. In a moment, do what Thomas Jefferson said. When you get angry, count to 10. If you get really angry, count to 100. Take a minute. Go to God. I'm reminded in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Excuse me, chapter 17. When Moses comes before God, because the people are murmuring and complaining, and they need water. And Moses gets angry and says, and goes before God. And that's what you're supposed to do. They kept bickering and complaining. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die? We need water, Moses. We need food, Moses. Were there no graves in Egypt? You should have left us in Egypt. We had food and water in Egypt. Moses, what's wrong with you? Has God abandoned us? And Moses just seething because, dadgummit, did you not see the Red Sea just split? Have you not gotten your manna today that God rained from heaven supernaturally, by the way? Did you not eat? Remember the quail you got last night that you didn't have to go hunt for? God brought it right into your tent. Have you, have you forgotten who God is? And have you forgotten what God God's done for you. And Moses gets angry. And instead of Moses going, all of you, Moses goes, give me a minute. And he goes and gets before God. Can I tell you this morning, God can handle your anger. People cannot. When you feel yourself getting angry, withdraw, get before God. Get before God. I need, I need a minute. Before this argument turns into a fight, honey, I need a minute. Kids, Stay right here. Daddy needs a minute. Go get before God because you need to show them in that moment, God is more important than what you're feeling right now. And God is more important than what your flesh wants to do right now. And you are showing them a spiritual discipline of in that moment, I am not giving in to my flesh. I belong to Jesus. And Jesus has commanded me to look like him and be like him. So everybody, I need a minute. I need to go talk to my God. Are you hearing me this morning? Give God your anger. In that moment, God will take it and give you his peace every single time. Pastor David, you perfect at this? Absolutely not. I'm still learning how to do this myself. Because in those moments, you don't want to pause. You want to finish. You got a zinger ready. Do you want to throw back? Or you want to finish this thing because you're tired of dealing with it or whatever it may be. I'm talking real life here. But in that moment, you don't have the place to do that because you're supposed to be Jesus in this moment. So Jesus, help me be more like you. Our words are important. We have to give them to God and not let anger be felt in our words. And then finally this morning, Aubrey, would you come? Temper your worship. Temper your worship. Pastor David, what does this mean? The thoughts I get, but you mean worshiping in anger? 
You mean serving God in anger? Can that really be done? Yes. Jesus talks about it here in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you're offering your gift at the altar, and then you remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come back and worship. Come back and offer your gift to God. Two ways here. You've done something, and they have a problem with you. Or they've done something, and have a problem with you. No matter what the situation is, your fault or theirs. I cannot, the priest could not go into the tabernacle with issues. They wouldn't live. You can't bring that before God. It would be wrong of me to stand in this pulpit and speak to you this morning if there were ongoing serious issues between me and one of you or between me and my wife or me and my children. I have, I know great men and women of this, of the faith that I call heroes. One of them who's the greatest hero, one of the greatest heroes in my life. He tells the story of he was rude to someone in the church. And he got up to preach on Sunday morning and he couldn't get through the message. And he repented in the middle of the message and said, all of you, I'm going to have to finish this message next Sunday. I need to go and make things right with my brother. I admire him for that. Because he could not give his gift to worship to God, knowing in his heart, I have something wrong with my brother. I've hurt my brother. I've hurt my sister. I can't give God my best if I didn't give them my best. Be reconciled. Be reunited in grace. Pastor David, how do I do this? Number one, self-examine. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me. Lead me in your way everlasting. Teach me your ways, O Lord, so I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart. That's all yours, that I may fear your name. Number two, never serve in anger, in malice, with envy, or with a bad attitude. I tell you what, if Christy puts me at door greeter one more time this month, I tell you what, if Aubrey sings that song one more time, I tell you what, if Pastor says, are you with me one more time, I know I do it. Don't let anger take root there. Give it to God. Give it to God. Give it to God. Serve with joy. Serve with grace. Serve with mercy. Not envy. Not not bitterness. Not anger. No place for that. Have a good attitude. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 2. Number three, people can't receive your service if they're not reconciled with you. If I do something to any of you that offends you, 
and I don't know to become reconciled with you, you will sit there, hear me preach, and not hear a word I'm saying because your heart is turned towards me. And you can't receive me, nor can you receive my word because an offense has taken place. Now, this is saying to me, if I know I have a problem with you, I need to come and make it right before I step up here and do what God's called me to do. If you come to church and someone comes in the door and you immediately feel resentment or feel bitterness or feel anger, stop what you're doing and make it right. Matthew 18, if you have a fault with your brother, go to them one-on-one and find a place of reconciliation. Step two, if they refuse to be reconciled, go and find a brother or sister that is a mutual person, that is a neutral person, and bring them in and then try to find common ground. This is my side of the case. This is their side of the case. Please tell us how we can best resolve this. If you get to phase three and you need help, the Bible says bring in a leader or an elder in the faith and have them help and find a way to make these things right. Phase four, are you seeing the mercy of your God? God can be done at phase one. God says this, if at phase four, if they refuse to be heard and they refuse to reconcile, bring them before the leaders of the church and ask them to find a way to bring reconciliation. If they still refuse, then they've walked away from the faith. They don't want to be helped. Five chances, everybody. In baseball, you get three and you're out. In God's eyes, you get five. But if I have an ought with my brother or have a problem with my sister, God in that moment says, before you do anything else, pastor, before you do anything else, children's pastor, before you do anything else, uh, greeter, before you do anything else, usher, before you do anything else, security, before you do anything else, kitchen help, before you do anything else, before you bring me your gift, go make it right with your brother. I care more about my family than I care about the presence under the tree. Are you with me today? That's the heart of God. I care more about my family being in unity than I care about how good the presents are under the tree. When you think back on Christmas and think back on Thanksgiving, do you remember the exchanges and the physical and and the material things? Or do you remember the atmosphere, the words that were said, the attitudes that were had? And do you dread your holidays or do you look forward to them? Are you with me? We have to have the right heart. Finally, number four, if the offense could keep them from offering their worship and offering their service to God. If you have an offense with your brother or if your brother's offended with you or your sister's offended with you, you may be completely unknowing that it's there and you're giving God everything you have. All the while, they're sitting over there seething because they can't find a place of reconciliation with you. And Jesus is saying, if you know that you've done something, and you try to bring your gift to me, then you're telling them, my gift, my position, my worship means more to me than my relationship with you. And children, this cannot be. I need our brothers and sisters to know that beyond any sermon I prepare for, that beyond any song we sing, beyond any lesson we give to your children, 
beyond any slide we create or music we play outside, no matter what good things we give as a church to each other or from each other. If we do those things, but we fail to have good relationship with each other, it does not matter how good anything we do is. It does not matter how good our military forces are equipped if they don't fight together and trust each other. It does not matter how good our leadership's attire is and how, good, how nice we're dressed on a Sunday morning if our leadership is not in unity across our three campuses. It, is not, it does not matter how good we sound in worship if we have a problem with each other or have a problem with someone who we're trying to help bring closer to God. God is saying and Jesus is saying here, leave your gift at the altar. Thank you.